You are listening to Half Torah, the Shir series which explores the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Haftarah. And here at the database of Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Beshalach, and the Haftarah this week comes to us from Sefer Shoftim, the Book of Judges. And it is the very first Haftarah in all of the Parshas HaShavua to come from Sefer Shoftim, and I believe it is one of only two Parshas HaShavua that is complemented by Sefer Shoftim, the other Parsha being Parshas Chukas, which we'll obviously talk about when we get to the middle of Sefer Bamidbar, so we have a while until we get there. But right now we have the first of the two Haftaras that I could think of that come from Sefer Shoftim, and that is Parshas Beshalach, and even Parshas Shoftim in Sefer Devarim is not complemented by um, Sefer Shoftim as a Haftarah, even though they have the same name. Obviously, when we get to Sefer Devarim, we'll talk about the Haftarah choice for Parshas Shoftim. But in the meantime, we are focusing on Parshas Beshalach and its Haftarah. And what we have to discuss, obviously, is the choice of Sefer Shoftim as a reading and the particular selection from Shoftim, which we will speak about after I first dedicate this shir, Lili Nishmas Imi Mirasi Chaya Rachel Basdavit Tzvi Harini Kaparas Meshkava Harnishem Shehaven Aliyah. And of course, all of this shir moving forward should be dedicated as a schos for the Aliyah of Harnishema as well. Uh, but in the meantime, when we think about the unique feature of Parshas Beshalach, the Shabbos of Parshas Beshalach, as you may know already, is also known as Shabbos Shira, and that is due to the fact that. Parshas Beshalach features the first major shira, or the first passage of prophetic and poetic song in the Torah. So perhaps it would make sense that the Haftarah be chosen from a similarly unique passage in Navi, which contains a shira. And perhaps you might argue that for this reason alone, the selection containing another song from Shoftim, in this case Shiras Devora, makes the perfect Haftarah to be read alongside the Sidra of Shiraz Hayam, right? Not so fast, though. And I will have to talk about that. Um, because, of course, um, although this immediate connection is certainly a helpful one, you have a Shira in the Parsha, you have a Shira in the Haftarah, you have a song in both places, but is that enough to justify this particular choice? And is there perhaps a competing choice that would have been at least as good or perhaps better. So that's something that we'll have to discuss. Uh, but in the meantime, the Haftarah choice, which comes, once again, from Shoftim, and again, although this is only one of two Haftaras that come from Shoftim, this, uh, this Haftarah uniquely is massive. It is a very long Haftarah, perhaps one of the longest Haftaras out there. It might be one of the longest Haftaras, if not the longest Haftarah. Um, you can reach out to me if you found a longer one. But uh, this one, this Haftarah, it begins in the fourth parak of Shoftim, parak Dalad, starts with Pasuk Dalad, and goes all the way to parak Hey, Pasuk Lamed Aleph. Um, and so it's a big stretch of Pesukim. It's many, many Pesukim long. And so it is a long one. But the question is, um, although it's a long choice, is this the best choice of reading? So yes, both sections... Both the Parsha and the passage in Shoftim, the Song of Devorah, which we'll have to talk a little bit more about soon, they both contain songs, obviously. But is that all these two readings have in common? Moreover, are they the only passages in the entire Tanakh that contain prophetic songs? And the answer to this second question is certainly no. Right? We know that Chazal tells us that there are at least ten shiros in Tanakh, 
or at least in the history of the universe, perhaps there's a song of Mashiach that's going to come later, Lasil Lava. But we also know that at the end of the Torah, for example, there is a different song. There's Shiras Hazinu. We, in fact, mentioned Parshas Chukas a little earlier. There's a Shira in Parshas Chukas. Um, and of course, um, at least when we consider the Haftarah for Parshas Hazinu, which itself is a song, right? Shiras Hazinu, well, the Haftarah for Shiras Hazinu is also taken from another passage that contains a song, and that's none other than Shiras David, the song of David HaMelech, which is recorded in Shmuel Beis and Perak Chav Beis over there. So Shmuel Beis 22, 1 through 51, Aleph through Nun Aleph. So there we have a song as well. So we can certainly make the argument that Shiras David is a fitting Haftarah choice for our Parsha, for the Sidra of Shiras Hayam, considering the fact that if you look later in the year, not so long from now, in fact, we're talking uh, two months away from now, on Pesach, when Shiras Hayam is actually read on the seventh day of Pesach. So guess where the Haftarah there comes from? Then and there, the Haftarah we find is actually taken from Shiras David, and not from Shiras Devorah, which we are reading this Shabbos. So Shiras Hayam is read twice a year. It's read this week, Parshas B'Shalach, Shabbos Shira, and it's also read on the Shvi'i Shal Pesach. But again, different Haftarahs each time. And as it happens, as if you were paying attention, you'll recall that I just mentioned that the Haftarah for Shvi'i Shal Pesach is also the Haftarah for Parshas Hazinu. So if you, you know, if you would try to match up a Haftarah that would match, if there are two places that should share a Haftarah, so that's a, that's a good trivia question um, when it comes to Haftarahs. Are there, how many times a year do we have a Haftarah that's used twice that is shared between more than one Parsha? So um, one occurrence, um, for example, Shabbos Chanukah shares a Haftarah with Parshas Bahaloscha, which we're going to discuss. Um, also, um, in the Shiva de Nechamasa, which we'll have to talk about, um, the seven special Haftaras that we have in the summertime. So in there, there are actually ten special Haftaras in the summertime, but seven that are referred to as the Shiva de Nechamasa. So there's an overlap between Parshas Noach's Haftarah and the Haftarah that we find in Kiseitse, and I believe in Re'e as well. Um, I could be wrong about that particular one, but um, there, there are Haftaras that overlap. And another example is the one that we're referring to right now, right? That Parshas Hazinu shares a Haftarah with Shvi'i Shal Pesach. Now, again, if you're trying to mix and match and make a suggested reading, if we have to repeat a reading or share a Haftarah between two um, occasions, I would think that the time of Shiras Hayam, when we read Parshas B'Shalach, and the other time that we read Shiras Hayam, which is on Shvi'i Shal Pesach, those two should share a Haftarah, and they don't. Shvi'i Shal Pesach shares a Haftarah with Parshas Hazinu, Shiraz David. Meanwhile, this Shabbos, Shabbos Shira, Parshas B'Shalach, we are reading from Shiraz Devora from Sefer Shoftim. So that is a little bit peculiar. So that's something that we have to think about. A little bit curious why it is that we, um, that we are reading a different Haftarah than what we would read on Shvi'i Shal Pesach when, again, the Kriyas HaTorah is more or less the same. So that's something that uh, requires a little bit more thought, right? So uh, another question that we have to consider then is that if we have 
two songs, at least in the in the Torah. There's more than two songs, but if there are two songs that in the Kriyas HaTorah throughout the year that we want to complement with a Haftarah that features a song, so why is it that we have chosen Shiras Devorah to complement Shiras Hayam during the Parsha Shavua of Bishalach? And yet again, that same reading is not going to complement Shiras Hayam on Pesach time. And yeah, when we get to Hazinu, we are choosing a different song. Is this just a song matchup, or we're just trying to find the first song that we can and match it up in a way that is just most convenient? Like it just seems a little bit almost like a game. Okay, we got a song here, a song there. We'll just you know we'll copy paste over here. Like, are we just arbitrarily picking and choosing by the day which Shira and Navi to fulfill the Haftarah for each Shira in the Torah? And again, from the fact that Shira's David is used for both Bishalach, uh, that, that sorry, it's used for both. Um, Pesach and Hazinu, and from the fact that Shir Siyam is complemented by both Devorah and David's songs at different times, it certainly seems that way. So we have to do some work here. And it could be to, that, that to some extent, yes, our Chachamim, our sages, and our rabbis, they felt that these prophetic songs in the Torah were the focal point of each one's Sidra, and that these songs needed to be highlighted, supplemented, and ultimately complemented by prominent songs in Navi, and it could be that these prophetic songs of you were both considered equally significant enough to do that, to fulfill that role. And so our Chachamim maintained an order when selecting these songs as Haftarah is placing the earlier Shiras Devorah with the first major song of the Torah of Shiras Ayam. And the later Shiras David, they matched up with the final major song in the Torah of Shiras Azinu. But... That doesn't really explain, once again, why on Pesach, when the same passage of Shiraz Hayyam is read, that instead of using the Haftarah that we did for Bashalach of Shiraz Devorah, we have it exchanged with Shiraz David, which gives Shiraz David a second turn at being read. So is there a deeper reason for these Haftarah matchups? That's what I want to discuss. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to stay tuned for a deeper discussion about the relationship between Shiraz Hazinu and Shiraz David. So that'll obviously have to wait a bit of time. And perhaps we need to wait a little as well for a similar discussion between Shiraz David and Shiraz Hayam on Pesach. But we're going to hypothesize, at least for now, that yes, there are, that, that there are deeper connections, perhaps fundamental themes that can explain why the Haftaras of Shira are matched up the way they are. But right now, we're going to do our best to focus on the relationship between Shiras Hayam and Shiras Devorah. And Be'ezras Hashem, you know, moving, uh, moving forward, we'll have to keep these questions on the back burner, and we will, Be'ezras Hashem, return to them and hopefully answer them more thoroughly when the times for each one comes. So respectively, we're talking about the Shvi'i Shal Pesach and Parshas Hazino at the very end of the Torah. So for now, just to get some context for the songs, Shiras Hayam is the song of praise to Hashem that the entire Bnei Israel sang after escaping Mitzrayim through the miraculously split Yamsuf, the Sea of Reeds, the Reed Sea, the Red Sea, while their Egyptian pursuers got caught in the same sea and they drowned. So what about Shiras Devorah in, Parsha, in Sefer Shoftim? So Shiras Devorah was another victory song. It was praising Hashem after the Bnei Israel overcame the army of the Kanani king Yavin and his army general Sisra during the era of the Shoftim. And 
The stone edition Art Scroll Chumash draws connections between the Haftarah and the Sidra by not only pointing out the obvious Shira factor that we've pointed out already, but by comparing Israel's victories over the two oppressive nations. We have Egypt on the one hand, Canaan on the other, and we know these are almost like partner countries, right? Um, for example, in Parshish Hashem uh, warns Klal not to copy uh, the Egyptians from whose land they just exited, nor to copy the Canaanim into whose land they're about to enter. Right? So we have Israel's victories over Egypt and Canaan, as well as Hashem's intervention on their behalf in these different battles. But what's interesting is that the Stone Chumash takes it a step further by pointing out one key connection that we are going to zero in on for now, and that connection is the heroic role of the Jewish women in both stories. And if we think about this heroine factor, we might say that the art scroll really hit the nail on the head. In terms of the Exodus, the Stone Chumash describes the role of Yocheved and Miriam's protection of Moshe Rabbeinu, and about Miriam separately leading the uh, the Israelite women in song with instrumental accompaniment after the splitting of the sea, and Rashi to Shemos Tesvav Chaf already points out in the name of the Mechilta that the woman had more faith in Hashem's promise of salvation than even the men did, as demonstrated by this fact that they had already prepared their drums, tambourines, and other musical instruments for the occasion. And interestingly, I'll point out that uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs um, of blessed memory. So he, in his in his own uh, Parsha book, he's got many Parsha books, but one of them, Lessons in Leadership. So he has a whole entry on Parsha Shemos that's devoted to the righteous women who heroically impacted the Exodus, including Shifra and Puah, including uh, how Yochav and Miriam, Basparo or Basia and Sipara all saved Moshe's life on different occasions. So the question is, what about this theme as it pertains to our Haftarah? I think about the women in our Haftarah and Shoftim. So here, the Stone Chumash directs our attention to the obvious heroine of the story, Devorah Hanavia, Aishas Lapidos, um, the only Shofetes, the female judge in history. So certainly against the norms of the time, Devorah, a righteous woman, was the spiritual leader of the generation who led the army accompanied by Barak ben Avinoam that took down the Canaanim in the war. And Devorah, in many ways, or at least in some ways, like Miriam, she leads a song praising Hashem and describing the miraculous victory. And like the heroines of the story of the Exodus, Devorah, she stands up where no one else will when she is needed to be a messenger of Hashem on behalf of the B'nai Israel, And I would say that certainly Art Scroll has and continues to do us a wonderful service. I very much appreciate and respect the work of Art Scroll. They, um, they do wonders. And certainly for this discussion, the parallels are there, and the above certainly suffices as an explanation for this Haftarah, and theoretically you could stop the tape there, right? or you could stop the device, whatever device you're listening to. However, I think there is a lot here that must be qualified. And again, I continue with my disclaimer that Art Scroll does incredible work. Um, and as helpful as the above analysis has been thus far, I think there still are important people and points that Art Scroll did not touch on that I think we ought to touch on. So, what do I mean? So, Devorah was an undoubtedly righteous woman, a successful leader, and even a heroine in her own right, but there is much evidence that she was not what we would think of as the ideal Jewish heroine or the ideal Jewish woman. 
And in fact, even in this Haftarah, I think there are two more heroines that we must highlight who were just as instrumental to the story as Devorah herself. One of these heroines merely requires another look at the story, and the other requires us to take an even deeper look using some of the mafarsh and some of the commentaries to divulge you know, um, you know, what more there is to this story. And what we're going to see here is something very, very important. And that is, you can look at the Haftarah of Shiras Devorah, and you could make a mistake about the ideal role of a Jewish woman and, a, and someone who would be considered a hero, or at least a heroine, in, in, in the world of Torah, Masorah, and Yiddishkeit. And it's important to, to hear the other piece that we find in this Haftarah, even in Devorah's own words, what the Jewish heroine actually looks like, like the Aim Shal Yisrael, like a mother of Yisrael looks like. So let's talk about the other two women that I've alluded to. So the first one you might have guessed is a woman named Yael. She was the wife of Chever Hakeni, right, who, um, you know, Chazal tells us this is another, another name for Yisrael. And although it was behind the scenes, or at least behind closed doors, Yael's execution of Sisra in her tent really marked the turning point of the battle. And indeed, Devar herself was sure to sing Yael's praises, pointing at her modesty and her self-sacrifice. Now, who is the other heroine? So the other heroine is Devorah. But not Devorah, the prophetess, the Nevia, and the Shafetas, but actually the first Devorah in all of Tanakh. Which Devorah is this? This is Devorah Minekis Rivka, the righteous wed nurse of Rivka, you may know. Now, where is she in this story? So the Navi tells us that Devorah of Shoftim, she sat under a date palm when she would judge the Bnei Israel, known as the Tomer Devorah, and that the, the Pasuk references in Dalit Hey, 4-5. And according to the Barbanel and various Balitosphos, this date palm was the burial spot of none other than Devorah Menekes Rivka, whose death and burial is oddly inserted into the narrative of Yaakov Avinu's return to Eretz Yisrael. We find that in Parshas Ve'eshlach, Barashas Lamed Hey, Pasuk Ches, 35-8. Now, the question is, what's the significance of that, right? The name connection is cute. Devorah, 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 judged under Devorah's date palm right, under the, the Tomer Devorah. But what does that mean? And why is this connection significant? Now, if we were to take an educated guess, we might suggest that perhaps Devorah, the prophetess, was aware of the significance of the mission and perhaps the underlying, um, you know, the, the, um, the underlying namesake that she carried. And so she attempted to live up to the standards of her righteous predecessor. She wanted to learn from an earlier Devorah. Maybe. But what really do we know about Devorah the nurse? The Torah reveals nothing about her other than the fact that she was the wet nurse of Rivka, that she died, and that she was buried below base ale under a plateau known as Alon Bachus. So what then can one possibly learn from Devorah Menekes Rivka? Now I want to suggest that perhaps the little that we know about her tells us really everything that we need to know. Perhaps we know so little about her because her life was iconic of the ultimate form of modesty, even in the place of apparent greatness. Right, if she was a nurse for Rifko Emenu, if she was a caregiver of any kind to one of our matriarchs, that's a big deal. There's even a magistrate out there that suggests one opinion that Devorah Minakis Rifko was actually also Devorah's mother, although not every 
Oh, no, I would say not most of the opinions assume that. But whoever she was, she was a big deal. Moreover, it shows that she was someone who clearly devoted her life to what she saw as being a greater cause than herself without taking credit for it. Because right? she did all of that, yet she's only recognized or even mentioned in the Torah when she's no longer alive to appreciate it. That's what, that's when we hear about her. We hear about her when she's dead. Right? She is what I want to argue, the image of modesty. And as such, she doesn't require the fanfare. The history that followed her actions and services speaks for itself, as the final line of Asha Schail and the final line of Mishle puts it, Tinu la mepria deha vi maseha, give her from the fruit of her own handiwork and let her be praised in the gates by her own deeds. Right? We don't know much about her, but she was the one who took care of Rivka, the one who was able to create um, or to, to facilitate Rivka's being a matriarch to make it so that she can do her avoda and to build the B'nai Israel. So again, not a small matter. Thus, it could be that the Misara, the tradition that connects the two Devoras, is intimating that in spite of Devorah Hanavias being in the limelight, right, the Shofetes, where no man was ever able to do it at that time, she was able to lead the people. But I want to argue that Devorah herself, she most values and praises the likes of Devorah Menekis Rivka and Yael as the ideal icons for the womanly hero in Torah. What emerges is that despite the undoubted women or woman that she was, Devorah Hanavia is not what we would call the ideal Torah heroine. Her very position did not lend itself to fit the Torah's delicate picture of an Eshashchayel. And perhaps there are some more modern people who would reject this position, but consider how many other women in the history of all of Tanakh were in the position of Dvorah. And there's a reason why there weren't many, why there weren't any even. And there, there are halachos about this and the whole sugya of Sarara. Right, this is this is not it's it's not just patriarchy, but it's a, it's 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 Masura, it's halacha, and um, you know you can you can you can be angry at it, you could say what you want about it, um, but very clearly the Torah delineated different roles for different individuals, different genders, and the, the twain are not really supposed to meet, and they're not supposed to be conflated or mixed up and uh, misappropriated, um, but. We do have, in the one case that Devara did it, she was in the right place and time when she did what she did. But we would not necessarily call her the ideal. And again, you know, when, when Devara apparently let her accomplishment get to her head, at least on her exalted level, Chazal tell us that she actually began to lose her divine inspiration. This is an explicit Rashi in Nahaf Torah, um, Hey Yud Beis, and he quotes the Gemara Pesachim on Daf Samach It says that when she when when she's singing and she's singing the song at a certain point she says Uri Devora wake up Devora because she started to lose her inspiration, and um, Chazal understands that she she was um, there was a level of gaiva that she had hit, and of course that's certainly not a place where where uh, um, any person but certainly a woman belongs. Her position itself does not take away from the incredible impact that she made or from the incredible person that she was. 
and specifically as a person, in her role, doing what she needed to do at the time that she needed to do it. All right, but place where there are no men doing it, so then sometimes a woman must. And certainly Deborah did what she had to do as a shofetess when there was no fitting man to fulfill that role. As, once again, Birkevus tells us that when there are no men, then you, then you have to get up and act. However, that was a desperate time, which was designated um, for that moment alone. And we know the desperate times call for desperate measures. And it was not what we would call the lichatchila, the optimal situation. She did what she needed to do. Yet, as we pointed out earlier, Dvar herself brings attention to and praises the discreet heroism of the woman that should rightfully shine Yael. And you see this in the song, if you, if you look in, in the Haftarah. So you can see the actions of Yael in Perek, Dalid, Psukim, Yedzayin, through Chafalaf. And, and Devara sings about it in Perek, hey, Psukim, Chafdal, through Chafzayin. She talks about how, how Yael is, is the ideal woman. She talks about the woman of the tent, right? And clearly the Jewish heroine is a major but modest role. It's for this reason that Yael is one of the is the one whom Devorah refers to as Tevarach Minashim, the most blessed among women, not Devorah herself, but Yael. She's the Tevarach Minashim. Compare the heroines of our Haftarah back to the heroines of the Exodus: Yocheved or Shifra, Miriam slash Pua, Basya or Basparo, and Sipporah. They all made an undeniably great impact on the salvation, and without. Any of these women doing what they needed to do at at that at the times that they acted, right? So then the Geul, as we know it, wouldn't have unfolded. Of course, there are shluchim harbei l'makom Hashem as many messengers, but all of these women did what they needed to do at the moment that they needed to, and their the redemption came about largely through their heroic self-sacrifice, their faith, their determination on behalf of the Ratzon Hashem. But all the while, notice that none of these women ever took the center stage. They never tried to to seize the limelight, their tremendous heroism could only be matched and perhaps perfected by their modesty, their tzniyas throughout their, their, their heroic actions. And each of them, in their own way, was nacious chayel, yes, deserving of praise, but humble enough not to require it or even desire it. So every now and then we're given a glimpse so that we can at least have some appreciation of the modest heroines. And Sefer Bracious, we have a slight tribute that's paid to Devar Minna In our Sidra, we recognize Miriam and all of the righteous women who followed her. And finally, in our Haftarah, um, we have Devorah, who acknowledges and sings of the true Tevorach Minoshin, the true blessed one among women. In the end, you know, modesty is a key component of, but, not, but by no means limited to, the role of Jewish women. We don't need to be on the scene like Moshe Rabbeinu to make the greatest impact possible. Certainly, if need be, sometimes even a devorah must stand up to bring out the Ratzon Hashem. And Moshe himself was the humblest of humans, the un of Ma'od Mikhaladim, and did not want to be on the scene. Yet that's exactly where Hashem put him. Right, so that's where Hashem, at once upon a time, placed Devorah. And once upon a time, that's where Hashem placed Moshe Rabbeinu in the most critical time in history. Indeed, if that's where Hashem places us, then that is where we ought to be. And we bet, and, you know, and when we're there, we have to make the best of that role. But the hidden heroines of the Exodus and of Sefer Shoftim, they show us that there's a special song designated for the righteous 
um, um, and for the impact that's made by the modest. And that's a song that one can't ask for, a song that one cannot even want, but a song that necessarily will sing itself for those who are truly deserving. And we shall be zochet to learn from humility and the modesty of our heroes and heroines, strive to reach their level of righteousness, and make whatever impact we're called upon to make at the time we are, and we, in our own way, could be messengers for the Gula, and hopefully for the ultimate Gula, a time when we will sing Shira again with the coming of Mashiach with Meherbi Menu. Have an absolutely wonderful Shabbos, and of course, if you enjoy sharing like this and others on the podcast, and you want to partner up with us here with the sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the Database Podcast WhatsApp group for links for very uploaded share and for updates, then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data, then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here at the Database.